Welcome to the Elevate Life podcast channel. We hope this sermon encourages and inspires you so you can go and grow to your next level. For more information about our church, please visit our website, elevate.life. Enjoy the message. How excited I am to get to share with you today about you, about your legacy, and about the reason why that you're here on this earth. Well, like Pastor Keith said, when I wrote this book, I started with just thinking I was gonna write a little something down. And then I began to write and began to write, but really halfway into it, I got very discouraged. And I just said, oh my goodness, blah, 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 blah. Like who is even gonna read this? What does this really matter? And then I kind of started to encourage myself saying, well, you know what? If no one else reads it, I know that it will be something, not necessarily that my children read because I wasn't sure if they would read it, but I knew that after I was gone, they possibly might read it and it would be part of my legacy that I left to my children. Now you might've just heard Pastor Whitney hollered out that she has read it. Yes, and so she's excited about her legacy and what is to come. But isn't that how it is all with our lives? We really do wonder, do our lives matter and the life that we live? Does it feel a little bit like I'm just going through the motions and blah, 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 blah. Like what is this life really all about? Well, what God wants you to know is that you are awesome. You are precious. You have gifts and talents and you are unique like nobody else. That's what you have to know. But so many times we compare ourselves, don't we? We think, well, we don't have their gift, but you have a unique gift. I'm not gonna stand on this stage and be Pastor Keith because he's very unique in his communication. And for the longest time, I had a really hard time with even ever sharing because of I would see other people and how they communicated and they would be all over the stage and they would go this way and that way. And I'm like, ooh, I just like right here. And you know what? I decided that's okay because that just whatever brought me comfort or wherever I am in my life or the type of communicator that I am. Can I just be me? Can you just be you? But that's what I'm trying to communicate to you that we all just need to be who God created us to be because that's when we're going to flourish. That's where we're truly going to leave the legacy that God wants us to leave. Well, you see, in our lives, if we don't really understand who we are and we don't grow in that, because see, when I started my first chapter, I tell you all the things. I've been insecure and fearful and, you know, struggle with that my whole life. I tell you throughout the book why I struggled with that. But guess what today? I still struggle with it. Is that the most frustrating thing? Like, why can't I get through this? I've overcome a little bit. You know, I'm not as fearful as I used to be. Somebody used to see me stand on this stage, just like, oh, Lord Jesus, just help her. Oh, you know, so I've gotten better, but that's what it, it's example of for every step that we take past our fears and our insecurities, whatever those are for you then what happens is I can truly live the legacy that God wants me to leave. But if I stay in this place of fear and doubt and insecurity, how can I truly walk in a confidence and a boldness and really living the legacy for my children? Because any of my inward feelings and how I feel about myself is gonna affect my outward expressions of how I feel about myself. So when Whitney would watch me, she has a lot of my same similar personality. When she would see me take a step and be bold, it helped her to know that she could take a step and be bold. Through her insecurities, she knew some of my insecurities. So all those things affect the legacy that we live. So we can't just think that we're living our lives for just ourselves. We're living our lives to leave a legacy while we're here on this earth. 
So you've all heard the quote, be the change in the world that you want to see. Well, for me, when I first heard that, and as I processed through that, I was like, wow, this is a big world. Be the change in the world? Like, how can I do that? Well, the be the change, that's me. That talks about me personally leading myself to be the change in not the whole big wide world, but how about in my world, if I was the change in my world, in my family, in my workplace, and in my neighborhood, that I was the change that I wanted to see in that, those places, then I could see an impact that I would be making and leaving a legacy, and I would be affecting other people in my life. So if you see that in your world, if the world around you needs more love, what do we do a lot of times? We point how other people aren't being loving. But how about if you feel like the world and your world needs more love, then bring that. If your world needs more kindness, then bring that to your world. It's up to us to lead our, ourselves. And self-leadership will be one of the most difficult things that you ever do. But the greatest challenge that we will have is, is actually to do that. It will require you being the best version of you. You know, Pastor Keith, you've heard him say how we were 15 years old, he drew the triangle, put me on one side, him on the other side and said, you be your best and I'll be my best and we'll meet at the top. Well, what does that mean? to be the best version of you. Well, only you know that. You know what that best version is and you have to decide what is that. So if you visualize your life and you look at your life and then you invest your days living it out so that these dreams become a reality, this will be the legacy that you have always wanted to leave. But if you don't paint this picture of, I'm gonna look at the end of my life. In the first part of my book, I say, this is what I picture my life to be in old age. This is what I want it to look like. Because I knew that I was not only influencing Joshua, Keila, and Whitney, but I had these precious grandbabies, Layla and Livy and Charlie and Harper and Auric that were gonna be looking to me. So you know what, I could be selfish and I could say, well, I'm older now. You know, I get a little bit more tired and having the grandbabies come over and babysitting, that's a lot of work. But if I don't take the opportunities and take time for them, invest in them, how will I truly be living the legacy of what I see at the end of my life? I want them to be raised in this house. I want them to be pastors in this house. I want them to be worship leaders. I want them to be preachers. I want them to be small group leaders. Whatever they feel like they're called to do. If they're called to be a teacher, awesome, because that's what I was, was a teacher. Whatever they feel called to do, I want to influence their legacy. So that means I have to be involved in their life. So how have you ever, or have you ever given much thought to what kind of legacy you'd like to be remembered for? You know that answer, if you know the answer, just know that you will spend a lifetime building it. Because it is, takes a lifetime to build your legacy. It is a very slow process. So in that, you can get discouraged because you feel like, man, I'm giving to my kids, I'm pouring into them, I'm loving them, and I'm not seeing results. It's not about that. You can't look at the temporary of what you see right now. You have to look at the eternal to say, what I'm saying, what I'm doing, what I am parting, I am leaving my legacy in them. Now it will be up to them whether they take that legacy and apply it in their life. But it takes a lifetime of doing that. It's not just when they're little, it's not just when they're in junior high, it's still, my legacy still continues with my children and they're all married. So I wrote this quote in my book and I, they're gonna put it on the back screen. It defines to me what legacy is. How you make others feel and what you teach and model through your everyday actions slowly evolves into a tightly woven tapestry of values and memories that represent your life as you lived it. So how you make others feel, what you, you teach and model through your everyday actions. You see, 
sitting right here, you might see two quilts. And this quilt here was made by my grandmother. This represents legacy to me. This was Pastor Keith's grandmother's quilt. This represents legacy to him. And there's a lot of memories in both of these quilts. And you see that this one specifically is very torn. There's been a lot of use, but it represents legacy. It represents something that was passed down to me from my grandmother. Not only that is right here, these patches right here on this represents another legacy that, co that connected with my legacy. You see, our legacies not, are just not about our last name. They're not just about our family of origin, but there are other people that come into our life. It's our teachers and people we go through life with, our family of choice, the church we go to. Uh, maybe even legacy is a part of somebody that you meet on the street because they influenced your life or somebody you went to a, uh, a, a store and something that they did. You might not have just known them personally, but you're like, wow, that person left a lasting impression on my life because of their attitude or how they acted or the things that they said. So. Over 35 years ago, the Uncle Bax came into our life. I went to his mother's garage sale. And in that garage sale was this patch right here, these pieces that his grandmother had hand-stitched and sewn. I bought them, took them home, gave them to my grandmother, and then she hand-stitched this quilt and put his grandmother's pieces. Now, all these years later, 35 plus years later, we are still doing life together. Can you see how our legacies are all intertwined in each other as it represents even in that quilt? But you know what, you see the rips and the tears because you know what, the, when I look at this and it represents legacy, there's brokenness, there's heartache, there's emotional abuse, there's adultery. My grandmother, uh, was, she was left and her husband met another woman and left her with their children to raise by herself. But you know what this quilt too? It represents the same thing. Hurt, brokenness, adultery. Two grandmothers, my, our grandmothers, that experienced the exact same thing. But you know what I'm grateful for? It's two amazing grandmothers. They did not let hurt they did not let abuse, they did not let discouragement, they did not let brokenness affect the legacies that they wanted to leave in their children. They continued to still be faithful to God. They continued to honor God. They didn't blame God. They didn't say, well, God, you know, if you really love me, then, you know, my husband wouldn't have done this. They brought their children to church. My grandmother did not, they did not own a car. She walked to church on a dusty, sandy, dirty road every Sunday to church while her husband sat on the porch smoking a cigar and living his life. Not in church, not involved, but she did not let that stop her legacy. Do you think I'm grateful for a grandmother that continued to pursue God so that today I'm standing on this stage pursuing God because she didn't give up on God? The story is true of Pastor Keith, his grandmother, faithful, honored God, saw the faithfulness of God in her life. And so to this day, Pastor Keith living the life that he's lived with a mom and dad that took that legacy, honored God, went to church, and then raised him in the house of God. And so he's living out that legacy also. So while that, that represents brokenness and hurt and pain, it also represents comfort and warmth not only because Pastor Keith and I covered up with this, we love these two blankets. This was especially our favorite because of how it felt. This has the yarn on it. It's not as comfortable, it's a little itchy. He always liked my grandmother's better. And, uh, but it, see, it's, it's very worn because of that. So we don't use it anymore because we've protected it. It's probably 75 plus years old, but it's brought us a lot of warmth and it's brought us a lot of comfort. And you know what? My grandmother and his grandmother experienced the same thing. Those quilts represent past, present, and future. But as amazing as I'm just illustrating that to you, 
Our grandmothers were not intentional about the legacies that they lived, not because they didn't want to be, because I'm not sure that they knew to be. They were just trying to get by. They were just trying to live their life, just imparting into their kids, taking care of their kids, working on the farm, milking the cows, doing whatever they needed to do to provide for their family. But what if they lived an intentional life? What if they really thought, I'm not sure that their legacies would be that much greater because they were two pretty amazing women. But we can live very intentional lives. You can hear this message and say, I'm gonna be intentional. I'm gonna establish my core values. I'm gonna establish a mission statement. I'm gonna write it on everything. I'm gonna put it on a chalkboard. I'm gonna make sure my kids see it. But you know what? You can establish that and you could write all that down. But if you do not live it, it will not bring transformation in your family's life. You have to live it. So that's the difference. Even though my, my, our, grandpa, or our grandmother, grandmothers, they were not intentional. They lived it. And so they lived it. So we were able to see it. So we understand more is caught than taught. So we can do a lot of teaching. And we can tell you a lot of information, but if we're not living it, how is it really transformational? And that's what we have to understand. So I'm going to start to tell you about three, with three different points. If you're going to live the legacy you want to leave, then there are three things I want you to know. If you're going to, if you're going to do this, you're going to have to, number one, your legacy is not about death, but it's about life. So many times we can think our legacy is about when somebody dies. And we go to a funeral and they say, we wanna honor the life and legacy of whoever it is. So we reflect that. We think, oh, it's about death. Legacy is about death. But it's the life that they lived. And a lot of times you can go to a funeral and it can be very sad because the family members really struggle with saying something nice or coming up with something nice about their loved ones. And uh, it's wonderful to attend a funeral where they were very well loved, they left a beautiful legacy. But life is not about death, it's about truly the life that all of us live. Also, we think about, when we think about legacy, you may think about an inheritance. It's a form of a will. But sometimes that can be discouraging too because some of us won't ever receive anything. We know that we're not getting any inheritance. Our parents don't have anything to leave to us. And then for some of us, there's so much time spent fighting over the inheritance that there's no pleasure in that either. But for every responsible adult here, you will write a will it will consist of what you're going to pass on to the next generation. That's what all of our responsibility is to do. So I'm not talking about this type of legacy. This is inheritance. Also, inheritance is houses and cars and bank accounts. Well, all those things, all of us have attained different things in our life. That's a material legacy. The legacy and the things that are, that. I wanna to talk to you about are eternal. Those things have no eternal value. So this is all legacy is to you. If this is what it's about, if it's about houses and your inheritance and it's about what you're leaving and what you're driving, the houses that you live in, this truly is a failed legacy. No matter how materialistic, successful, your life appear, appears, it's, it's failed, it's a failed legacy. That is not the legacy that we want to live or to leave with anyone else. So I'm talking about this kind of legacy. It's a legacy, is about living on earth for something far greater than worldly possessions. You see, we can live our lives making it all about houses and cars and I love all that. I love living in a nice house. I like driving a nice car. I love taking family vacation. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. It's when we live for those things, when it's all about those things. Those things do not bring happiness. They do not bring true joy into your life. And usually once you attain that, you're like, what's more? That's the way it is for all of us. But you can determine what matters most to you and then live your life by what matters most. That's what we talk about when we talk about core values. We visualize the end of our life and then we live the rest of our days living that out. So it's up to you to decide, what do I want my life to look like? What do I want the end of my days to look like? 
and then start working towards that and living it out. So what do you think about when you think, boy, they left a great legacy? That statement, man, they left a great legacy. Who are people in your life? Hopefully you've got somebody in your life that you think, man, my grandfather or my uncle or my dad, he left me a great legacy for me to follow. But we all have people out in the world, people that we've seen that their legacies are great. And some of these, you obviously, everybody's gonna know these legacies. One of them is Martin Luther King, the minister who was a nonviolent activist and a leader in the country's civil rights movement, who delivered the greatest speech in history. He was the second African-American to win the Nobel Peace Prize. I think of Mother Teresa, who was a Roman Catholic nun who spent most of her life in India, dedicating herself to care for the lepers, the homeless and dying in the slums. She received the Nobel Peace Prize after her death and also was canonized as St. Teresa. I think of Nelson Mandela, who spent his early adult life fighting for equal rights among Africans and was jailed for 27 years. Following his release, he promoted messages of forgiveness and equality. He became South Africa's first black president. Both of his parents were illiterate, but being his mother was a devout Christian, sent him to a Christian school. Now those are some great people that have left a great legacy. Wouldn't you say that? Absolutely. See, we all live our lives and have left great impressions on other people. And we have the opportunity to make sure that, that that's solid, that we continue to do that. But if you're going to leave the legacy you want to leave, you must realize it, that it's not about death, it's about life. But number two, it's also the most important part of your legacy is your spiritual legacy. So when I tell you that I was fighting for myself, for my own fears and insecurities and what that looked like, I had to daily to, for myself, so that I could truly walk my legacy out. I had to daily walk it out by saying, putting one foot in front of the other, saying in the midst of my weakness, whatever that is for you, we all have areas that we're weak in. We all have areas that we're struggling. They're not the same. But what you need to know, if you're gonna walk in this spiritual legacy, you've gotta overcome some of these things and they can only be done by you stepping into it, saying, I'm gonna overcome. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in this world. He, he has the ability to help me, for me to grow into this, to not step back, to not shrink back, to be, but to be great here on this earth. That is important. So. What kind of spiritual legacy are you leaving behind? How much of God are you sharing with those you do life with? Because it's not gonna just happen because I'm a Christian. So I'm a Christian, I go to church and I send my kids to Christian school or I send my kids to Christian daycare. That's it, seals it. You know what, I'm leaving a spiritual legacy. Absolutely not. That will not seal your children's fate because you brought them to church and you had them come to student ministry. It will take you being intentional. When you're intentional, you will be aware of your thoughts. You'll be aware of your actions. You'll sit in the driver's seat of your life. This happens every day. And your children are watching, your coworkers are watching, people around you are watching. But if you don't care about your legacy, you just like, go ahead and watch. I'm just gonna live however I live. And that's really not self-leadership. All of us wanna make an impact on this earth while we're here. Well, otherwise, why are we here? We're just not here to exist. We just don't live 70, 80, 150 years and just think that this is the end. This is practice for where God is taking us. This, this is not eternity. We're practicing right now. We're living the legacy that God wants us to live because on the other side of eternity, God has something for us to do. And this is practice right here for what we're gonna do on the other side. So I want you to look at Deuteronomy 6, 4, and 9. It's called the Shema. Moses wrote this for the children of Israel because he wanted them to know there is a lot of gods right now where we are. This is Moses, right? And he's saying, I need you to know these things. This is important. You need to know this in the morning. You need to know this in the evening. You need to know this throughout your day. Would you say we have a lot of gods today in our world? A lot of gods that we worship. We don't think we worship, 
but we have a lot of things that we put before God. And there are a lot of gods. There's a lot of different religions in our world. But Deuteronomy 6, 4, and 9, they're going to show you on the back screen. So they told me, oh, it's on the side. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. This is what Moses said to them. And this is what we're applying in our life today. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. These commandments I give you today are to be in your hearts. And press them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road. When you lie down and when you get up, tie these as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them down on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. So one, gen- what'd, you, what'd you put there? Okay, that's my next one. Okay, so the Jewish people were to do this twice a day, not just as reciting it, but truly living this out. This was the rhythm of their life. God should be a part of the natural part of your home. It should feel comfortable. Why is this important? Because we live in a global culture that's deeply being affected by secular thoughts. What are the secular thoughts that you are hearing? Let me tell you some of the secular thoughts you're hearing. You can believe in God when you go to church, but you know what? Don't bring that God stuff into my world. You know what? You can believe in God in the privacy of your home, but don't bring it to the office. But your religion and your faith shouldn't affect others when you step out in public. That's what the world will tell you. And you know what we're doing? We're listening to it. We're stepping back. We're truly not living the legacy that God has called us to live. And so look at our churches today. We keep stepping back. We're not stepping up. We're walking in fear and intimidation of what the world says, who we are, and the legacy that we're supposed to live. And God is calling us higher. He's calling us up. And he's telling us, when you go about your day, when you walk about your day, when you sit at the table, when you're with your families, talk about who I am in your life. So our society would like you to believe how you vote and uh, what you talk about at your job and how you think about the government and how you view culture and movies. It needs to be compartmentalized. When it comes to your faith, the world says, keep it private. It shouldn't affect everything you do. Guess what? Christianity is a worldview that should shape everything that you do. Amen? Don't even think we realize how deeply we buy into the secular way of thinking. You know why? Because we've got the news on. We watch sh- political uh, you know, documentaries and it's just infiltrating our minds and tell us how we think. We don't have a kingdom mindset like Pastor Keith has been talking about. God is calling us to have a kingdom mindset. Yes and amen. My husband is cheering me on. (coughs) I'm gonna get choked up getting excited about that. Think biblically about everything. How do you think as a Christian? How do you think as a, a Christian teacher? How do you think as a Christian businessman or a Christian woman? The way we view science, all those things, we should have a biblical world view. On and on I could go. Our Christian faith should influence everything that we do. This is a part of what God is saying in Deuteronomy. Moses is saying, when you pass your faith to the next generation, make God a part of the rhythm of the life of your home. Refuse to compartmentalize your faith. So there was a study that was done. It was a very interesting study of, they took junior high students, then they studied them into their high school years, then they took them into their college years, and then into when they got into the workforce. And they began to look at their life, and this is the question that they asked. What elements need to be present for young people to adopt the belief system of their parents? So in this study, it was very interesting. This psychologist said, the way we develop religious beliefs is the same in all other areas. So in other words, we see this in all of our families' homes as it relates to even politics. If parents have a liberal view of politics, their children will have a liberal view. If you have a conservative view, your children will have a conservative view. Is it because you say, we're conservative, or you say, we're liberal? No, it's what you do. 
It's the things that you talk about. It's when you're at the table. It's when you're walking along the way. It's when you're in your car. Wherever you are, your views and who you are comes out. So this is all based on this study of what they observed, right? If you want your children to learn honor, all of us want our kids to be honorable. Well, do we just think that honor is just gonna happen? Do we just say, okay, we're only gonna teach honor on Monday and Friday, but no other day are we gonna to teach honor. No, we teach them to respect authority. We talk about it every single day. When you see a lack of respect for authority in your children, you address it right then, right? You don't wait to talk about it. You talk about it all day long, as long as you need to talk about it because you want your children to be respectful to authority. Also, when we uh, look at our kids' lives and we, we want them to succeed in school, we want them to make good grades, and when they're lazy, do we just go, I don't feel like dressing this right now, just be lazy. No, we're like, no, you are a craft and you are going to do your work and you are gonna sit there and you're gonna do it until you get your work done, Joshua Craft. And if it takes you all day to get your work down, we are not lazy. And so you know what? We're gonna make sure we're establishing the legacy. There's a little interactivity going on over here. To establish the legacy of the crafts. That is the same for you. Do you say, I'm only gonna do it on Saturdays? I'm only gonna tell them you can't be that way. No, we do it whenever we need to address it. That is all areas of our life. Well, let's think about this same concept as it relates to your children's spiritual legacy. How often do you talk about your faith with your kids? You know, this is our year of transformation. This is our year of double-double. Are you speaking double-double? Are you looking for double-doubles? Are you telling your kids, this is a double I saw in my life? Are we just looking at COVID and things are tough? Yes, things are tough. And, and some of you have lost jobs and you're in a difficult place, but I wanna encourage you, Look for even in the smallest areas of doubles in your life. They are happening. You just have to look for them. This is when transformation is going to happen in your family and in your children's life. But if you don't get excited about it, if you don't speak it, if you don't declare it, if you don't talk about the miracles of God, if the only time you talk about spiritual things is when your kids, they come to church on Sunday, or you come to church on Wednesday. So we'll talk about it then when we go home, but really nothing spiritual applies to our life the rest of the week. If you are not doing that, if you're not going about your days, if you're not sitting at the table, being intentional about the legacy of spirituality and love of God and the faithfulness of God and what he's done in your life and the miracles he continues to do. We tell miracles every week on this stage and we tell you about the goodness of God and what he is doing. But then we also have prayer requests for people's needs. But you know what? We're gonna focus on God, you're so good. We wanna encourage you to say, say, we serve an awesome God and he's still in the miracle working business. But what if your kids never hear that at home? What if your ne kids never hear about the faithfulness of God and they only come to church? Is he just a Sunday God and he's just a Wednesday God? Or is he a God of every day of the week? That's what our children need to know. Because Moses said, refuse to compartmentalize your faith. Talk about them when you sit in your house, when you go about your day, when you drive down the road, when you travel, when you eat, when you go to sleep at the family meal. But you know what we've done? We've lost that time at the family meal because families aren't really eating together. We're so busy. We're going through drive-throughs and we're not having that time where we just sit and impart. Guess what? You've got a captive audience right there. Your children are right there at the table and you've got that time that they're not going anywhere. You can say whatever you want to say. You can talk about the things of God. You can declare who your family is and what you want them to know. And you know what? You can pray. But how many people are not even praying anymore before a meal because we're not sitting together and everybody just digs in. We're not honoring God with the way we're supposed to honor God before we even start a meal to say, thank you God for this food. Thank you for our amazing life. Thank you for breath yeah. in my lungs. Showing your children the faithfulness and the goodness of God and our honor to Him. 
Well, see, this is what leaving a legacy for others to follow looks like, especially in a Christian home. Make this the rhythm of your life. Living this kind of legacy leaves no room for regret. Now, if you're in a place and you have some regret because you maybe didn't know these things or you didn't live that, your kids are grown. Listen, don't look back. You continue today to live the legacy you wanna lead. And you know what? Keep imparting into them, keep loving them. You see, another way we tried to instill the legacy when we wanted to leave in our children was by having a rhythm of spiritual things in their life. We established the order of our home of doing things a certain way. So we had declarations in the morning. We had prayers at night. So that's in the morning when you rise up, declare the goodness of God. When you go to bed at night, thanking God for who he is in your life. Train that, teach that, make that a part of the rhythm of your life. We had regular family devotions. We weren't perfect at it. Listen, our kids didn't always enjoy family devotions. Most of the time we were saying, sit up, you're falling asleep. Wake up, what did we just say? You know what, it's not perfect, right? But you'd make the effort and you try to impart and it's not, everybody's not all engaged and saying, oh, we're so glad dad's doing devotions or we love that scripture, amen, mom, amen, dad. No, it doesn't go that way. They're like bored, they don't wanna hear it. You know, they're, they're just ready to go to bed, it's okay. You're living your legacy. You're imparting the spiritual atmosphere of your home. So we had family meetings. We had times of impartation as we sat at the dinner table. We were strategic about that. When you go to the dinner table, just don't go empty thinking in your mind, I don't know, I don't have anything to say and we're not gonna talk about anything. Have something prepared. Something that a verse or a, a phrase or a saying or a story that you heard or anything like that. We would tell our kids even when they came to tell the table, you need to tell us one thing that is good that you uh, experienced today and tell us one thing that was tough, that you struggled with. And the reason why we did that is because Josh at one time in his life, he went all day and the story is I went to, and it's in my book, but went to go um, and uh, check on him in the evening. I was praying over him. He just began to cry and he was just, you know, in a very difficult place emotionally, found out he had all these struggles in the day, but we did not take a moment and just capture what is the most difficult part of your day? What did you struggle with the most? And so sometimes we need to create those opportunities for that. And that's what those type environments do. And then we were also consistent to attend church. You see, the reason we come to church, the reason we do life with other kingdom-minded people is so that a spiritual legacy can be transferred to you and through you to others. It's not just about you. It's just not about your family of organs legacy. It's your family of choice legacy. And we all need each other. We did these things with our children. Was it easy? Did we get pushback whenever we did all these particular family meetings? Absolutely, we got pushback. But it's the legacy you want to leave in your family. You know what? They didn't get to decide. They're not leading the family. It's not their legacy. They have a chance to leave their legacy as they get older. So you know what? If they don't want you to pray for them, guess what? Too bad. Go ahead and pray for them because it's your legacy that you're leaving in them. If they say you're getting too much of God, I don't want all of this God, too bad. Do it anyway, because it's the legacy that you're leaving. And I say that really strong, but I say it kindly because it really is too bad. When your kids are, listen, they don't know. They're gonna love later on, they will come back and thank you. Thank you that you prayed for me. Thank you that you stood with me. Thank you that you never gave up on me. Thank you that you fought for me. That's what your children will say, even though they're not saying it right now. They will be grateful for what you did in their life. So we wanted to raise them with a kingdom purpose and a kingdom mindset. We need to believe that everything we do matters. Advancing the kingdom of God, it is our highest priority was to teach our children the gospel of Jesus Christ and to raise them in the house of God. You see, it says in Psalms 145.4, one generation shall commend your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. 
You see, the stories and his principles should be transferred from one generation to another. We have to be the ones to do this. Now, when I went to go find this quilt, because we had had it tucked away, when I went to go find it, um, I was really surprised when I opened it up. It was all folded up. And I showed you this beautiful piece right here. But as I opened it up, look, look what it looks like. These circles represent generations. What if we stop bringing who we are and our legacy and imparting spiritual and godly and the, the Bible, the word of God to our children? We are one generation away from a godless society. We're seeing some of that today. Maybe you see that in your own legacy today. It's brokenness. This is what happens. There's divorce. There's brokenness. There's abuse. All kinds of things happen in all of our families. But it only takes one. You standing up and saying, I am going to leave the legacy that God has called me to leave for my family. I am going to lead and I'm not going to back down. I'm not going to let the world tell me how I need to live my life. I'm going to live my life for God. Amen. Thank you, Josh. Well, I want to tell you the success of these three people that I talked to you about, Martin Luther King, Mother Teresa, and uh, who's the last one? Nelson Mandela. Thank you, y'all listening. Nelson Mandela. And you know what? Their, their legacies are amazing. And I'm not discrediting anything about their legacies. It's truly amazing the legacies that they've left in this world. They are affecting us today, their legacies are. But I came to talk to you about a spiritual legacy. Only what we do for God will matter in the end. We're not taking anything with us. Everything, everything about our life needs to be kingdom focused. You see, I want to enjoy this earth while I'm here by the trips I take, the memories I make. But I must ask myself, what kind of spiritual legacy am I leaving behind? I will use the life of Nelson Mandela. We love Nelson Mandela and he's done some amazing things, but he kept his Christian beliefs discreet in favor of his great life and work of reconciliation. Reconciliation was the theme of his life. He had an aversion to speaking publicly about his own faith for fear of dividing. He was seen as the South African Messiah and was referred to as Jesus Christ. What if he had gave God credit for the strength he found in prison for 27 years that he forgave his enemies? Only God can help him do that. What if he had given God credit for the ability he had to endure a 27-year jail term and, he, he be, and be labeled as a communist agitator? What if he stood up for Jesus Christ as the one true God and just didn't try to unite all religions? But at the end of his life, while he did great things, he converted to Islam because he wanted to marry Rabia Clark, who was a Muslim. You see, we serve a supernatural God who wants to do supernatural things in our family. If we're gonna leave a spiritual legacy, it's gonna be important on how we invest in our friends. How do we invest in our neighbors? How do we invest in our coworkers? We will leave this earth and all that matters is what we have done for God. But we have stopped honoring God. Even as a church, we have stepped back. Church, we have got to rise up. We have got to take our place. We have got to be strong on this earth. We have got to be mighty. We have got to be warriors for God. God is calling us up. He's called us to be the spiritual leaders that he wants every one of us to be. And it starts with your legacy. It starts in your home and it starts with you. You see, our lives will make an impact three and four generations after we are gone. There was a study, and I'm gonna end with this. There was a study that was done in the life of Jonathan Edwards and Max Jukes. 
Jonathan Edwards was a preacher in the 1700s. He was a great theologian. He was one of the most respected preachers in his day. He attended Yale at the age of 13 and later went in to become the president of Princeton College. He married his wife, Sarah, of like character. They were blessed with 11 children. He was one of the greatest minds of God that America has ever known. They passed a godly legacy to their children. Now, this, a man that lived in the exact same time, his name was Max Jukes. About the same time period, his, he was an atheist. He lived a godless life. He married a girl of like character. Let me tell you about the legacy of Jonathan Edwards first. It includes 729 descendants. Of this number, 300 were preachers, one U.S. vice president, one dean of law school, school, one dean of medical school, three U.S. senators, three governors, three mayors, 13 university presidents, 30 judges, 60 doctors, 65 college professors, 75 military officers, 80 public office holders, 100 lawyers, 100 clergymen, and 285 college graduates, barring one grandson who married questionable character. His descendants cost the state not a single penny. Max Duke's legacy came to people's attention when the family trees of 42 different men in the New York State prison system was traced back to him. He lived in New York Juke's descendants included seven murderers, 60 thieves, 190 prostitutes, 150 other convicts, 310 paupers, and 440 who were physically wrecked by addiction to alcohol. Of the 1,200 descendants that were studied, 300 died prematurely. 540 of his descendants cost the state a quarter of a million dollars. The most universal traits of the family were idleness, ignorance, and vulgarity. They would not work they would not be made to study, and they loved vulgarity. These contrasting legacies provide an example of what some call the five-generation rule. How a parent raises their child, the love that they give, the values that they teach, and the emotional support that they offer, and the education that they provide are affected four generations down from the generation that we all live. Can you see why our legacies are so important? Why it is so important that the life you live will be the legacy that you leave. But how many times do we not, we don't think about that because we're dead, we're gone. We don't realize this story of Max Jukes and Jonathan Edwards, all the generations later that they studied, how their lives were so affected on their generations. My last point is God cares about your legacy. Do you think that God cared about these two grandmothers' legacy in the midst of their brokenness, in the midst of their pain, in the midst of all that they went through? These grandmothers could have said, God, you don't care about me. You know, I mean, what, what does my life matter? If you really love me, you wouldn't have allowed my husband to go run off with another woman. You wouldn't have allowed me to get cancer. We can all blame God, right? But these grandmothers did not do that. They live their life for God. So today, generations later, and now our, my generation, my children, my children's children, just like Pastor Keith shared the scripture, goes on and on and on and on because all it took was a sweet little lady, two sweet little ladies making a decision to say, I'm gonna lead a spiritual legacy. It doesn't matter what happens in my life. It doesn't matter the brokenness that I've experienced. God, you are good, you are faithful and you will see me through. They don't know the life we're living today, but God does. You know what? They're in eternity. Do you think that they have a crown that is just massive in a house. I can't even imagine the houses they live in and what they're going to get. None of us know what eternity looks like, but I wanna live my life faithful to God, serving God. And you know what? I've learned a lot 
through my own children. I don't impart into my grandchildren the way that I impart into my children. It's different. They get candy. They get ice cream. My kids, nope, can't have that. Nope, you don't need that. But you know, as a grandmother, we get to do a lot of other special things. But that's the joy of being grandparents because you get to do those kind of things you can love. You don't have to discipline and correct unless you're raising them. Then you got to do that. But you know what? We don't get to, we don't have to do that. You know, I told the first service and I love this because I love, you know, I love all my grandbabies. But, you know, I, I just wanted to tell this story as it relates to Charlie because uh, uh, Pastor Keith has named her Cha-Cha. And it's just so perfect because she's so full of passion and she's just dramatic and she's like, ah, she cries. And it's just very overwhelming sometimes for Josh and Courtney. And but, you know, for the time she was little, God just knew exactly what Josh needed because he knew what we experienced. And so he gave him one, just one like him. And so when she was really little and she was in the nursery, um, it was, I loved, I watched, walk by, she couldn't even walk. And she is in there just taking toys away from kids, grabbing a baby doll. And I was like, oh yeah, go girl. I love that. I, I was like, but you know what? We can't, we can't just let her be that way, right? But it showed leadership in her. And I love that, the strength of who she was. But it's like, this little girl is going to have to be molded and shaped. Her mommy and daddy are going to need to do that because we're going to pop a gorilla and, and Precious are just going to be loving and encouraging and kind. But daddy and mommy's going to have to put some strict discipline on this little girl. But how excited I am that she's amazing, strong, and powerful leader. And what she's going to do and how she's going to lead our legacy. I think about all my grandchildren, you know, all the things that they're going to do for God. I'm so excited and that I get to be a part of it and I get to experience it and watch it as long as I'm here on this earth. And that is the same for you too. So I'm calling you up. I'm calling you out to say, I am going to leave a spiritual legacy in my family. I'm not going to let anything distract me or deter me or the world or what anybody says. I'm going to be passionate about it, but I just want to pray for you. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Father, I thank you for these amazing people that have sat here today and listened to how they can live their legacy and live a greater life, even in you. Lord, I know that there's people here that they may not know you. They may not have even started their journey of learning what it means to live a spiritual legacy. And Lord, it starts with you. And so I just want to ask as you're all your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed, is there anybody here that you say, I've never accepted Jesus in my heart or I've gotten away from God. I, I'm not living the spiritual legacy that you're talking about. I'm not passionate about the things of God. I don't even know what God's word says. And, but I want to. I want to begin to live this out. And that, if that is you, I want you to raise your hand. Is there anybody here that you're saying, I need God in my life like never before. I've not been living it and I want to live it. Can I see a show of hands of anybody that I see your hand? Is there anybody else? I see your hand. Okay, let's pray this prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, I ask you to forgive me of all my sins. I ask you to wash me, cleanse me. I ask you to come into my heart and forgive me of all the mistakes I've made. I thank you that you went to the cross and you died for me so that I can be free. In the name of Jesus, I pray, amen. Thanks for listening. Make sure you subscribe to our channel on iTunes and YouTube. That way you know when a new sermon has been uploaded. Also, if this message has impacted you and you wanna to contribute to help us reach more people, feel free to go to elevate.life forward slash give. We look forward to seeing you here next time.